Thank you for joining the Self-Care Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Brown. Today, we're going to continue our series on men and women, and we've brought in a group of women to discuss what it means to be a woman today. So thanks for joining us. Let's get to it. or the struggles that women face that are kind of specifically uh, tailored towards women? The things that you all deal with that men uh, maybe don't have to confront or face on a direct basis? Um, I would say social media actually can have quite the influence on not saying it doesn't have the influence on men, Especially if you're listening to self-care doc podcasts and TikTok, I know. it's all positive for men and women. Yes, guilty, um, shameless plug there. Yeah. So, you know, nothing against men and the influence of social media, but I feel like us women and girls, you know, teenagers too, especially, um, there's a lot on there that when we might see that, it's almost like, oh we're not doing that. Do we need to do more of that sort of thing? And I think it's easy for us to maybe like see what we see on our phones as something we need to do more of or less of. Um, that's why I feel like I try not to go down the rabbit hole of social media sometimes, but it is hard because it's so, it's so um, readily available at our fingertips. Um, so that's what I would just kind of out there. Yeah, and I think it's a, a good point to kind of uh, a caveat to put onto that is uh, we did a podcast uh, a few weeks ago of uh, pop psychology and the common myths and misconceptions and just how much junk is posted on social media that is so inaccurate that is getting so many followers and so many likes um, where um, true scientific and kind of uh, evidence-based kind of uh, information, it's not sexy. People don't want to hear that uh, because that means, hey, we got to do something with that. Um, but when it's, hey, here's the three things to notice in a narcissist. Well, there's lots of narcissistic traits in everybody. Uh, so we don't need to go around just kind of identifying people like that. But there is so much influence like that. Um, and I think specifically for women, um, some of the influences uh, that you face that men are kind of, in many ways, are kind of naive to. Yeah. Well, I think, too, to kind of add to that is you kind of morph and you kind of um, turn into what you surround yourself with or like what you're, whether it's social media, what you're watching, what you're listening to, like music, podcasts, um, movies, people you're around, uh, you know, the more junk that you might look at or listen to whatever, you kind of start to go down like a negative path. Absolutely. Kind of so, gar garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. yeah. Like I... <laughs> I, I'm sure my mom will be so happy that, and she's going to feel so proud. I mean, she would tell me that years ago when I was your age, Addison, like, you shouldn't be listening to that. You know, you're going to, you know, and I didn't want to believe her at that time. And I will say like in the last few years, especially like listening more to like Christian music and, uh, you know, here in the last year, you know, uh, joining life groups with our church. I mean, it's like, the more positivity that you 
can bring into your daily life, I mean, it is a game changer for sure. Yeah. Big influence, yeah. I would say, because we were talking about what, what things affect women more than they affect men, mm-hmm. and I would say, especially in my demographic, it's when women start having children and how they feel so torn. Some of them do by wanting to be with their child every minute and also wanting a career, a successful career. And so, like, my my church life group is made up of a lot of stay-at-home moms. We meet on, like, a Tuesday morning. And I can see, like, that struggle because a lot of them have had very successful careers in, you know, HR. One, like, works at a restaurant after her husband gets home. Like, and it's, it's a struggle, like, no matter what you choose. And you just have to be, like, and it's one of those things, like, women can do, like, whatever they want in today's society. Like, you're not forced to stay home with your kids if you don't want to do that so but that I mean it's I feel like that's still a struggle that I don't see men having as much so no yeah I think the the roles are a lot more clearly defined the societal roles and influence are a lot more clearly defined for men uh, than they are for women Um, now some of the other things that the research shows us that women uh, face uh, differently than men uh, major life transitions like pregnancy uh, motherhood menopause uh, the physical and emotional stressors for women in that, those ways, the negative life experiences like infertility, and again, not to say that men can't experience these things as well, but just differently, uh, perinatal loss, poverty, discrimination, violence, unemployment, isolation, um, all of these things, uh, the unequal economic and social conditions, uh, women's higher rates of mental health uh, issues. You know, we know from the statistics, you know, from 2008 to 2021, the rates of depression for women went from 21% to 27.25%. Um, they're double that of men. Um, the rates of anxiety are five to one. Um, you know, one in five adult women uh, struggles with some type of mental health-related uh, issues, um, diagnosable mental health-related issues. This isn't even talking about the people that don't go seek care, uh, seek care or get a, get assistance. Then we have things like um, postpartum depression. This came up in the men's conversation, and I'm kind of curious to your perspective. What do you see as being a major influencer for postpartum depression? Now, there is absolutely a hormonal genetic or hormonal uh, kind of component or influence. But do you think that there's any other kind of uh, uh, other influences that may maybe affect that? Maybe just like a loss of your identity, like you have this baby, and like your whole life is different now. Like, I think that can be very traumatic. Sure. Like, and that with the hormonal shift, like. That's a great point. That was not something that any of the guys even mentioned. And in those first three weeks, I mean, it is really just you. As much as your significant other might be there to help, there's not a lot you can do in those first few weeks. It really is on the mom. And I think that is just to be needed by everyone. This is a common theme, everyone, needed by everyone all the time (laughs) to do everything. But um, those first few weeks, it's really a lot on you. And as much as other people might want to help, there's not a lot that other people can do. It's really that idea of feeling so very alone in those times, even though you might have a you know, uh, somebody there to kind of help provide care or, you know, maybe a family member that's come into town to kind of help through that transitional period. It's still such an intimate kind of uh, alone kind of feeling. Um, So I wonder why do some women feel kind of empowered in that and some women really struggle with that kind of loss of identity or those kind of uh, uh, that negative self-talk or some of that image issues? 
Well, kind of like what you were saying, Alyssa, of, um, you know, the first few weeks you are, as a mother, um, doing a lot of it on your own, and like what you said, Josh, of feeling alone, um, you know, it's the beauty, though, I feel like that comes with that. Yes, it's it's a lot of work, especially as, you know, say, a first-time mom, you're navigating through the pain and um, whether it's stitches or whatever it might be, um, nursing, whatever, you are trying to navigate through this big life change. There's also, though, that beauty that comes with it of, wow, I get this one-on-one time, this very intimate time with this little human being. And I think that's what helped me, too, because there were there were some up and ups and downs of, um, you know, being at home after having a baby and say your husband goes to work like a few days later and you are home alone. You may not have family in town um, nearby. Your friends, a lot of people are out working. And so um, that's what really helped me is just to really um, to feel that that connection with my son of like, wow, I get this time. I'm really going to soak in these moments because it does go by so fast and 12 weeks maternity leave is not nearly enough. Uh, so that's, I think that's what really helped me in those times. And that's interesting. You know, other countries, so many other countries have uh, a maternity leave, you know, for maybe some countries have a year. I mean, I, yeah. that would be amazing. And yet, until we figure out how to do maternity leave well and how to support mothers and the, the family system, um, I think that's a really scary thought uh, because so many women do feel that loneliness. They feel that isolation in so many ways. Um, are there things that would help mothers or help women um, to be able to feel more socially connected and feel more engaged during these kind of transitional parts or, uh, periods in their life? Support. What, Mom, is that, what does that mean? Mom's groups family. So, so what would support actually look like? Cause I, I get that. I agree with you, but what would the actual support, what would that have looked like for you? Or what did that maybe? It, look it like? looked like people bringing over meals, people checking in, somebody coming over just to sit with me. Like it, it can, it can be whatever a person needs at the time. Yeah. Like, but it's going to look different to everybody. And I think that's a really great point. And this kind of goes back to a conversation we've had before about grief. And so many times when we lose somebody, and and this is why I bring this up, is uh, having a child or any type of major transition is there's a grief process. It's not just about death. It can be retirement. It can be a divorce. It can be kid moving off to college. Uh, It can be death. Uh, But any of these things are transitions, and they do kind of bring grief with them in many ways uh, because it's a period of transition. And when that happens... Um, we've got to be really mindful of how are we how are we choosing to be loved to people in these situations. And oftentimes what happens is we say, what do you need? They might not have a damn clue what they need. And so what we need to be able to look at is, one, what is our relationship like with this person? And do we know them well enough to know that if something is going to go, some, some transition is happening, I know how to be loved to them in advance? Or do we, and this is what I encourage people, uh, rather than say, hey, I'm so sorry for your loss or whatever, tell me what you need. What I tell folks is, no, don't say that. You're giving them homework, which is distracting them from grieving. What you should do is say, hey, I'm so sorry for your loss or whatever. Um, uh, I'd like to bring a meal over. Does Friday or Saturday work better? So now you don't have to think about it. It's just pick one. By doing that, you're not giving them homework. You're not distracting them from their processing. And so I think the same thing happens with something like what you're saying, Katie. 
just going to your friend and saying, Hey, um, you know, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, which one works better for me to just come spend time, spend some time with you. And if they say no, say, no, no, you have a choice Tuesday or Wednesday. (laughs) Um, when somebody's pushing back, it's really important that we're, we're saying to them, Hey, you know, I really am trying to be love with you right now. It's not, I'm trying to do this for you because we don't want them to see it as we're, you know, our pity party and we're trying to rescue them. We want to be here and we want to experience life with them. And I think that's really an important key to it. So what are other ways that you, uh, uh, you would be that, that support, that influence, uh, you would get that from others during these transition periods? Well, I think it goes, you know, like what Katie was mentioning about bringing over a meal or just coming over, checking in, hanging out, even like sending a nice little card in the mail, I think is so fun. Oh, too. handwritten cards are the greatest things in the world, aren't they? They are. Like little notes, things like that. It just, it's that personal touch um, from that person of showing um, how much that they mean to you or that you're thinking of them, I think is really big. Something, you know, as small as a little card in the mail actually can make a big, a big um, change in that person's life in that, um, in that moment. You know, uh, recently, uh, several several people are aware of this. Uh, my brother was killed in a car accident on New Year's, or excuse me, Christmas uh, night, and um, it's been interesting because people know my perspective. Don't don't give me homework kind of mindset, right? And recently, um, we got a uh, some gift cards from a church group, and they just said, "Hey, we just want your family to go out and have a date night." And it was the sweetest, kindest thing in the entire world. Like it was so amazing. Like there's a bunch of kids here. And so to get out with this many kids, now, number one, it's pricey, but they were just so very generous. And it wasn't, hey, uh, you're broken and you're, you're, you're sad and everything. It was, we just want you to experience living right now and just get into living. And I think those are wonderful ways that we can be a blessing to other people. Um, and it doesn't have to be just financially. You say writing a card. What are other ways that you can just be that blessing to others? I like really am like the type of person that when my friends need something, they like come to me because obviously I'm not very good with my words right now. I'm kind of nervous, but <laughs> um, like with my friends, when it's just us or like my phys- my um, love language is physical touch. So like just giving them a hug, just being there for them, being present with them in that moment, not watching my phone, not scrolling on Instagram while they're trying to talk to me, like being with them and showing them that I'm here is like, I think the main way I can show my support to somebody and how I like it being shown to me. Very nice. You kind of hit on a really great point there. How do you feel most supported and loved by the people in your life? I would say you made a great point, Addison, of like not being on your phone and scrolling through social media and actually just like, you know, being present. I think the present, the power of presence is so important, I think, for me. And just having that genuine time with whomever it might be with no distractions, no phone is is really important because I think it's it's so easy to be able to get caught up in whatever might be going on in life. And just having that good, wholesome time together is really, really important. Um, I think, too, of just having whoever it might be, partner, kiddo, friend, parent, um, just saying that, you know, they're thinking of you, checking in with you, um, you know, 
saying how much that they you know, love you or whatever it might be. Um, just those words of affirmation, I guess, kind of going into the love language as well, too. But yeah, I think presence and um, really loving actions and words is big. And like we're women, we want connection. Mm-hmm. Like feeling the connection is feeling support. Hmm. That's really well said. I like that. With the body image struggles that so many women do uh, report and do experience, do you believe it's more related to uh, women wanting to take care of their bodies for the person that they're in a relationship with, for themselves, or because of the influence of other women? I think it's other women, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I agree. You see, like... Dang it, I was hoping for more argument on this one. (laughs) Like really, like, what do you have to compare yourself to if you're not, you're, you're constantly comparing yourself. Otherwise, you wouldn't, as long as your body was functional and did what it needed to do, like, why would you care? Yeah. Do you think women are more critical of their bodies than men? Yes. Because uh, men are more critical of women's bodies also. I would say maybe, I, I don't know. I, I feel like guys, like a lot of guys I know in my grade, are very insecure and I feel like that's why they reflect on women is because they're like I'm insecure and you should be insecure too because I'm insecure like there's a ton of people in my school that are on steroids because they're insecure about their bodies and like how they like like I know a ton of guys that are like that because they just hate how they look and they think that guy girls think that guys want skinny girls but then girls think that guy that guys think that girls want buff tall like manly men and it's like that's not always the case. And I think that's what, it's a stereotypical thought that everybody just has in their head. Plus being yeah. a teenage boy has got to be horrible. Like everybody's hitting puberty at different times. So like some guys are huge and yeah. some guys are still just <laughs> tiny. Like that, that's terrible. Yeah, I think there's some adult men out there that struggle with body image still. I mean, whether it's like a lifelong struggle or it's come up more recently, I mean, it kind of goes to almost like the social media influence or what you see on TV or, you know, like the last, the last uh, recording, um, one of the girls mentioned the Jason Momoa. It's like, <laughs> you know, that was like this huge conversation. Yeah, w- women I took think, it all sexualized and the guys yeah. were actually being appropriate. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, yes, us women, we, hands down, we can struggle with whatever it might be with our bodies how we dress, whatever. But I wouldn't want to like not say that men don't struggle with that too. So, and it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, I think we talked about too at one point of, you know, with mental health struggles and like the, um, you know, men and women, you know, who asked for help between men and women, who's more apt to go reach out and seek help, things like that. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would be curious to see what the actual statistics say of body image yeah. between men and women. Well, and part of the challenge in the research is uh, the honesty of people and how they answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's a million Facebook freaking polls out there. Don't listen to that crap. Um, but when you look at it, it's where does the body image issue really start? And it really is kind of a mental health struggle of how do we see ourselves? And when we feel that we are more confident, we know that's the number one most attractive trait in another person. And so if we have confidence in who we are, you know, we don't see the extra weight here and there. We don't see those things. But as a, as a bigger guy, I mean, I'm 6'2", 250 probably, uh, I can lift some weight. 
And there's times where I feel kind of shamed by little like pixie dudes that are like, you know, really buff, but it's like, yeah, but your arm looks like a string hanging, you know? And so I feel almost shamed by these guys. And at the same time, I'm like, I, why should I feel shamed? You know? And so you're right. I think men do struggle with it very much so, but men show it differently. Women, when they show that vulnerability, how do they tend to display that? Easy fixes, quick fixes. Yeah, a lot of fad diets. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's fad diets. I mean, nothing against like, if you want to get some work done, that's fine. I think maybe going to some pretty big extremes sometimes of wanting to get the the quote unquote perfect look. And, you know, Alyssa, you made a really good point that I just love about, um, you know, that you were, however you said, I might not get the words quite right. But, you know, you were made like, like God made you and that should be okay, you know, and I, I know it could be a struggle um, for many of us, but, you know, when you're able to kind of shift that mindset of God made you because he loves you and you are you, like that, that should be, yeah, that should be beautiful in itself. You tell me short on the ground and I don't know, I don't know, but part of me says it's a fake apology. Your love sick all along was a masquerade of every song you sang to me with those eyes, but now I